things, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this day. And we are continuing with what we started last week about the life of faith. But just as an introduction today, can I just start with you on... Okay. Those of you who have ever bought a new car, okay, the example will be very fitting for you. But any of you who ever bought anything new and it came with a package inset. So the purpose of that is that when you buy something new, let's take a car. If you buy a new car, they give you a manual about how that car should be operated. They also give you the service intervals for that car if you want that car to do well on earth. They give you a lot of things that you might find, why are they telling us this? Why are they telling us that? They are the manufacturers. They know best how that machine would work better. So, and they would even tell you, they would even give you the, the helpline numbers. They know you will get stuck with that car and you will need help. So can I just say to you, for us as people, we were created in God's image. We carry the brand of God. So let's take a Mitsubishi car, okay? It comes with the brand of the manufacturers, isn't it? So when a Mitsubishi car gives you problem, where do you take it to? Okay. So if you are created in God's image and you've got the brand or the mark of God, when there are issues, where should you go? To God. It doesn't mean you can't go to any other place. Like, you know, sometimes when our cars are out of warranty, we take them to any other mechanic. But that's not the right place, you know. It's just that it's convenient and cheaper. So, but if you want your car to be in good condition, you always take it to the original manufacturers. So can I just challenge you, all of you, that if you want to be victorious in this life, stay connected to your manufacturer, God. And one other thing that I've realized is that our manufacturer knows the service intervals for our lives. He stated that. He knows the kind of people you should associate with and which places you should be. He knows that. So it's only sometimes when we think we know better than our maker that we land in trouble. So as we are continuing today, I want to show you that nothing takes God by surprise. Tell your neighbor, nothing takes God by surprise. So we may be surprised at some other things, but God is never taken aback. Amen. Which means, if I stay close to God, he can tell me things beforehand. Amen. Go with me to the book of John chapter 16, verse 33, Amplified Classic. I just want us to connect with what we started last week and then we'll proceed. But let's use this John 16, 33, Amplified Classic to connect. Because you will see that God does not bring us here on earth or Jesus does not bring us here and say, figure it out. Amen. He doesn't say, figure it out. He tells you. He tells you beforehand so that when things come, you know exactly what to do. 
So it's not that in this world you will not have troubles. It's not that in this world you will not have challenges. And Jesus tells us beforehand. Read. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. Okay. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect confidence and peace. In other words, he tells us beforehand so that even when things come, we already know the answer. We, it's, it's almost like the other time I was giving you an example. Those of you who like sports, soccer or any other sport, if a match is recorded, you already know the results, isn't it? Mm. So you, it doesn't matter if the other team scores first. If you know the end, you are relaxed. Why? Because you know the end of the book. You, 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 you know the end of the story. So others may be saying, ah, 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 these guys are leading. Hey, 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 we are in trouble. And you relax. Why? You know something. You know the end of the book. So Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace and confidence. In other words, if I know the outcome, to me it doesn't really matter what is happening in round one. I know the final outcome. Continue. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. Okay. What did Jesus say? In the world you will have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. Some of your Bibles end there. Because some of you like saying, Hallelujah, the Lord knew that we will be in troubles, trials, and frustration. That's not the end of the book. Amen? Yeah. That's not the end of the book. It's like the other team is leading 1-0, and you know that at the end it will be 3-1 <laughs> in, in your favor. You don't mind if they have scored first. So he says, in this world, you will have tribulations, trials, and distress, and frustrations. That's the other team scoring first. Tell your neighbor, that's the other team scoring first. But it's not over. Amen. 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 So read, it's not over. But be of good cheer. How? When there are troubles and trials and tribulation. Okay. Take courage. Mm -hmm. Be confident. Mm. Certain mm. and undaunted. Yes. For I have overcome the world. Mm. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. That's the amen point. Can we say amen? amen? That's where the story ends. Some of you, you want to finish when the other team has scored one nil in their favor. Tell them that's not over yet. Amen? amen. It only ends when we win. So he says, in this world you will have trials. Tribulation, distress, frustration. That's fine. It's in this world. But. So I like what comes after a but. Amen. Because that shows that I'm more than a conqueror. And then he says, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So imagine 
in this world, I've got trials, I've got tribulation, I've got hard things, I've got this, that, that. And it's making me feel pained. It's making me feel like I'm down and out. And I hear another word saying, that's just the other team scoring first. You're still in the game. Tell your neighbor you're still in the game. Amen. And he says, but be of good courage. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and conquered it for you. So the Lord has deprived the world any power to harm me. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I've got God's brand. It's not that the enemy will not keep on frustrating people and hurting people and troubling people. But as for me, because I'm a child of God, I've got the Jesus factor in my life. So go with me to 1 John chapter 5, 4 and 5. Because as much as everybody would want to overcome this world, it's not possible. You only overcome the world if you have the Jesus factor in you. Amen? So Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulations, trials, distress, and frustration. You can only be of a good courage if you are in me. Amen. Contemporary English version, Mr. MJ, 1 John 5, 4 and 5. Every child of God can defeat the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. And our faith is what gives us this victory. So when it says every child of God, I see inclusivity and exclusivity. Both. When you say every child of God, you are excluding anyone who is not a child of God. And when you say every child of God, you are including everyone who is a child of God. Do you see that? When it says every child of God, it means no child of God is excluded. But when it says every child of God, it means anyone who is not a child of God is not included. Now, with that understanding, read. Every child of God can defeat the world. And our faith is what gives us this victory. No one can defeat the world without having faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Did you see in verse 5, he just clarified what I was say, talking about? No one can defeat the world without having faith in Jesus as the Son of God. So, as much as we all would want to be victorious here on the earth, if you do not have Jesus in your life, you will have tribals, trials, tribulations, frustrations, distress, but then there is no but for you. Because the but, we only find our but in Jesus. So he says, no one can defeat the world without having faith in Jesus as the Son of God. So for everything in life, God already has a solution. For everything. I told you God is never taken by surprise. So for everything in life, God already has a solution. And what I like about God as our manufacturer, whether it's sickness, whether it's things that would threaten your life, 
whether it's troubles in your family, somebody fighting with you, people not loving you, and things not working well, and all that. All those things, God already has a solution for you. Amen? So what you do, some of the answers you will find them in the manual, like troubleshooting. I told you when we started here, you can have a manual troubleshooting. But some answers that you don't find in the manual, you can call the help desk. Amen. You talk to God. Amen. Jesus on the main line. Jesus on the main line. Jesus on the main line. That's the advantage of being a child of God. You can call the main line. Amen. Amen. And it's never on voicemail. And it's not affected by load shedding. Amen. You can call anytime. Jesus on the main line. Main line. Is main line now. Amen. Amen. That's why today after church, some of us are going to remain. And Jesus on the main line. That should be your attitude when you go to pray. Amen. Amen. Prayer should not be that other burden. Now the pastor says, after church, there will be prayer-ish. I've got many other things to do. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Main line. What you want. I have things to tell Jesus. I've got things to tell Jesus. I'm remaining after church. Some of us are remaining after church for prayer. We've got things to tell Jesus. He's on the main line. Amen. Amen. So let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, because like I said, I want to connect this with what we need to share today. What I realized that, like I said, that the word of God has got solution for everything. The word of God is the power of God to save us. Psalms 107 verse 20 says, And he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their distractions. Which means when I have the word, I've got my solution. Amen. And if I don't find it in the written word, I call the help desk. Amen. 
Because some of the things, most of the things are in the written word, the word of God. But some may not be here. My specific thing that I'm facing now may not be here written. But I've got the Holy Spirit in me. And you can tell me. So, Romans 1, 16 and 17, New King James Version, Mr. MJ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation mm. for everyone who believes. Yeah. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Can we all say amen? amen. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I told you the Mukosi rendition of this verse is, I am not ashamed of the word of God. For it is the power that God uses to save us from every situation as we believe. So when I receive the word about healing, that word is the power of God to healing. I told you the word salvation there. Unfortunately, in English, the, 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 it's, it's, it's a limited uh, word, that one. If you go to the original Greek, the word salvation there doesn't only mean to be saved or to be rescued. It includes sound mind, divine health, peace, everything good. So for every other thing that I may need in this life, there is the power of God to give me victory. And that is the word of God. And then it says, as it is written, so it's revealed from faith to faith. I told you, this is very simple. The first faith is the faith when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The second faith is the faith that you live by every time now as a child of God. Because when you accepted Jesus, you accepted him without seeing him. You believed it. So it means every other thing you will accept from God, you will accept it without seeing it, you will believe it. And then you will have it. So it says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And I told you last week, it's not like faith is an option. You live by it. That's why we are talking about the life of faith. Now, last week we told you how Jesus used his faith. Because in Galatians 2.20 it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we said, we live by the faith of Jesus. And we showed you how the faith of Jesus works, isn't it? We gave you many examples how Jesus exercised faith on the earth. We also gave you example about how God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. He just spoke into his situations. And we told you even Jesus, he would believe and just speak. And you have the same creative power in you. You can believe and speak and things will come to pass. The problem with some of us is that we don't want to speak unless we see it first. But you won't see it until you speak it. You remember in Genesis chapter 1, it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. 
The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, did God say, it's too dark here? No. He said, let there be light. And there was light. So even in your darkness, speak light. Even in the face of death, speak life. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. 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 So when you are passing through the valley of shadow of death, you don't concentrate on the shadow of death. You are just passing through. Amen. You know the end of the chapter. You know the end of the book. So I need to just define, we shouldn't take it for granted that we all know what faith is. Let's go to Hebrews 11, verse 1 in the Amplified Classic. Just to define faith as defined in the Bible. Because there are many things that sometimes we do and say, no, but I was standing by faith and it didn't happen. It means faith doesn't work. Faith works. Amen. So you need to understand what is faith and how do you use faith because if the just shall live by faith, then I can't be a child of God and not know how to use faith. Last week I also told you about use your faith like a mechanic uses a tool. I showed you how easy it, it is to loosen the tire using the wheel spanner when you are taking out the tire, those of you who got cars. But if you try to take that out with your fingers, you will say it is impossible. You're just using the wrong equipment. So similarly, there are things that with your faith, you can unlock them. You can unlock them. But if you use the wrong equipment, you are going to say it is impossible. While the word of God says nothing is impossible, to him who believes. That, that's Mark 9.23. So all things are possible to him who believes. So it means if you use the right tool, the faith tool, you've got it made. So Hebrews 11.1 1, Amplified Classic, Mr. MJ. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That portion of scripture is loaded, especially in the Amplified Classic. It says, faith is the assurance. You remember Jesus says, I tell you these things. I've told you this thing beforehand, so that in me you may have peace and confidence. So a person with faith is assured. A person with faith doesn't panic. Okay? I told you last week how when they told Lazarus, uh, Jesus that Lazarus is sick, come quickly. And Jesus doesn't rush. He's not moved by circumstances. He says this sickness is not unto death, but to the glory of the Father. Amen. And later, Lazarus died. And then he said, he's sleeping. They said, okay, if he's asleep, we don't have to trouble ourselves by going there, he will wake up. 
said, okay, let me speak the language you understand. Lazarus is dead. Probably some of the Thomas is there saying, but he just told us that this sickness is not unto death. When you are with Jesus, don't ask questions, believe. Amen. 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 Tell your neighbor, when you are with Jesus, don't ask questions, believe. That's how it works with Jesus. You remember when Peter wanted money for tax with Jesus? He comes and Jesus anticipates that Peter wants money for tax. Then he says, go to the sea. Throw in your fishing lane and the first fish you catch will have money or tax for you and for me. So we just told you when you are with Jesus, don't what? Don't ask questions. Even if you are an experienced fisherman like Peter. Because an experienced fisherman like Peter would have said, Jesus, did I hear you right? Did you say, I must go to the sea and catch the fish? The first fish that I catch will have money for tax. Or can't you be realistic, Jesus? This is how it works, Jesus. Maybe it's because you are not a fisherman. You are not a professional. You, you need to respect our trade. I've been a professional fisherman all the days of my life. What we do is we go and we catch fish and we sell them and get money. This thing of yours, of saying you go to the sea, you catch a fish and you'll get money. I've been fishing the rest of my life. I never caught one fish with money in its mouth. When you are with Jesus, don't ask questions, Peter. Just believe. That's what I will also do. When Jesus tells me something, I just do it. You remember the mother of Jesus says, when they ran out of wine in the wedding in Cana, the mother says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Then they are looking for wine, and Jesus says to them, fill the water pots with water. When you are with Jesus, don't ask questions. Just believe. Because when they said fill the water pots with water, what do you think goes through the minds of many people? What is he trying to do? We said we are running out of wine. Is he going to make some sweet aid, Kool-Aid, pour something there? How do we fill the water pot with water when we need wine? When you are with Jesus, just do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And you know what happened, isn't it? Yeah. He told them, draw now and take the governor of the feast. Huh? Take the water to the governor of the feast. And imagine <laughs> you fill all their containers with water when they are looking for wine. Huh? And probably the servants there were saying, huh, I don't understand this. I thought maybe after we filled the water pots with water, he will do something and then we can draw the wine to the governor of the feast. So how do we draw water to the governor of the feast? And I think the governor of the feast by that time was already frustrated. Imagine you have a wedding and you run short to supply your people. You should be frustrated, isn't it? Now you have these people coming to mock you. They bring the water and say it's wine. Don't you think that's what was going through the minds of some of these servants? But the mother of Jesus had already said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. 
they drew. And as they were going, so how it changes into wine, that's not your problem. You did not say water will change into wine. Jesus told us to do it. He knows how to fix it. Tell your neighbor, Jesus told us what to do. He knows how to do it. Amen. My role is only to believe and let him be the doer. So when they drew that and gave it to the governor of the feast, the Bible says, when he tasted the water that had turned into wine, when he turned into wine, I don't know, but the water was now wine. He said, you've brought the best, you kept the best wine for last. Many people, they usually bring the best wine, and when people are drunk, then they bring the cheap wine. You saved the best for last. How did you do it? The Jesus faith. Amen. Amen. So, when it says faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title did, I like that word assurance. Where you are able to sleep in the middle of the storm. You remember Jesus when he was with his disciples and there were waves and, and, and storms beating on their boat. When the disciples were saying, don't you care that we perish? Because they, are walking by, they were walking by sight. Jesus wasn't troubled. He knew that he would not drown in the sea. So for me, when he asked his disciples, how is it that you have no faith? For me, I think he was talking two things, but you can make your own interpretations. One, I think he was saying, do you think I can die in the sea and drown? When the Bible already, when the word, my, the word of my father already said, I'm going to die on the cross. That's the good thing about knowing your destiny. <laughs> you see, when you know your destiny, you're not going to be threatened. Okay? So, no way and no way that I'm going to drown in the sea because I've got, I'm destined for Calvary. I'm destined for the cross. That's the first part I think he was saying. Why is it that you have no faith? But the second one I think he was saying, do you even need to wake me up? Why don't you just do it? You can just speak. And let me show you how it is done. Peace, be still. And what happened to the sea and the waves and the storm? There was great calm. Amen. That's how faith works. So now, if faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed, and the title deed, those of you who have ever owned anything, they will give you a title deed at the end. Either if you bought it cash or when you finish paying it, they give you a title deed to say, this is yours. Now, imagine I've got faith. I believe the word of God. And I open there, I see who him, his own self bore my sins and my sickness on the cross. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. That's what I'm seeing. And my body says, you are sick. What must I believe? The word of my body. Huh? What do you believe? The word of your body. Do you? Yes. That's why we say I'm not moved by what I see, I walk by faith. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Amen. Amen? 
So if I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. Now I want to show you this here in this Hebrews 11, 1 Amplified Classic. It says, it is that confirmation, the title did, of the things we hope for, being the proof of the things we do not what? We do not see. And the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. That is loaded. I want you to look at this revelation. So he says, faith is the proof of the things we do not see. And it is the conviction of their reality, even if we can't see them. Let me ask you a question. When you are seated there, how many of you can see my voice? Do I have a voice? But you can't see it. Are you believing or you know I've got a voice and you can... Okay. If somebody is deaf, do you think they will be hearing me? No. They don't have the right receiver for the voice. I want you to understand this because it's very practical. So the fact that I don't see, you don't see my voice doesn't mean I'm not speaking. Use the right receiver. Just do this to your neighbor. Use the right receiver. The ear. Amen. So when it says faith is perceiving as a real fact, what is not revealed to the senses? We usually say man has got five senses. But I want to put, for you as a Christian, you've got six senses. The sixth sense is called faith. So it means with faith, I can perceive things that the other senses don't perceive. Are you getting this? I told you the other time, to make it simple, usually we see things that we cannot hear and we hear things that we cannot see. That's how our senses complement each other. So when I read on the word now, if I read now in John, I don't hear this. I see it. Okay? So what I see, I don't hear. What I hear, I don't see. Okay? You are hearing my voice, but you don't see it. Isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Your eyes are seeing me, but they cannot hear me. It doesn't stop the fact that I'm still speaking. So when it says faith is perceiving as a real fact, what is not yet revealed to the senses? It means it is our senses that are lagging behind. You remember the story we told you last week when Jesus said to the fig tree, no man eat fruit from you hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. And the Bible says the following morning, as they were passing by, Peter saw the fig tree and he was surprised. And he, he saw the fig tree, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And I told you, the moment you start seeing now with your naked eyes, it's too late. It has already taken place in the spiritual realm. Amen. So we've got to start learning that I believe even before I see. And faith, Romans 10, 17 says New King James Version. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing 
By the word of God. So how does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you are here now and you are hearing the word, your faith is growing. Did you know that even fear comes by hearing? In many places you will hear, if people say something that's traumatic or something that's dangerous, you start being afraid, isn't it? Because you heard. If you hear in this vicinity, this is a very uh, dangerous place. They take people's cell phones, they mug you, they do this and this. When you come to that place, because you heard. But before you heard, you were even phoning there. Yes, my brother. Okay. And you had no fear because you didn't hear something. Now when you heard, now you are afraid. So similarly, faith works like that. When I hear, it's all right. Your father is in charge. Even where I would have been afraid before, now all of a sudden, I can relax. I've got confidence. I've got peace in Jesus. Because now I know he is in charge. And I know everything will work out well anyway. Because he is in charge. So when he says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, I want to give you two illustrations. So the first, all the scriptures that we'll be reading from here now, I want you to think of these two things. So the word of God <coughs> can either be the written word or the spoken word or the revealed word. I told you when I started here that in the manual, the manual for, for any equipment, that's the written manual. But it doesn't stop you from contacting the help desk. Okay? So as a child of God, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, I can hear this word of God as I read it and speak it myself. But I can also hear the word of God as the Lord guides me. And now, all of a sudden, you find that I'm very confident. All of a sudden, you find that when people are saying that, hey, we are afraid, you know, people are dying of cancers, people are dying of accidents all the time, and you never know, and all that. And you just feel you've got peace, because you know something. You've heard the Lord saying, I've given my angels charge over you to protect you in all your ways. You've heard the word of God saying in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He, heals all, he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. So it means if he heals all my diseases, no disease is incurable with God. I've heard something. In him I can have peace. I can have confidence. So go with me to the book of Romans chapter 4. 16 to 21 King James Version. I want to, we're going to take now examples. Last week we talked about God, we talked about Jesus. But I want to take examples of some people who used faith so that you can also be encouraged. And look at how they used faith. Okay? We also still have needs. We are still here on earth. And the just shall live by faith. So Mr. MJ, Romans 4, 16 to 21, King James Version, KJV. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. I like that. I like how this portion starts. You know when it says it is of faith that it might be by grace. For me it says, all I need to do is I use my faith. The rest will be sorted through grace. In other words, in grace you don't deserve things. You don't work hard for them. 
So if I, let's say now, you're not feeling well in your body, and it is of faith that it might be by grace, either you speak that word of healing over yourself, or I lay hands on you and say, by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, you are healed. Be healed and be made whole. That's faith, isn't it? But to show that it's by grace, did I do anything in the natural to try and make you get healed? Huh? Maybe I must do some things for you or prick you a bit. And <laughs> that faith doesn't work that way. So as I speak, it's done. Last week we showed you how Jesus just spoke to the fig tree and it was done. Amen. So if it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to that which is of the law, but to also that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, look at how verse 17 starts. Mr. MJ. As it is written. Okay. We said the word can either be spoken or the written word. As it is written. So even what is written, if you believe it as it is written, it will come to pass. Amen. Are you getting that? Yeah. As it is written. Continue. I have made thee a father of many nations. So it means, as it is written, even when you see and it is written, that's how Jesus defeated the devil. You remember in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus always said, it is written. It is written. So even in your life, when you have a need and the, <laughs> you're getting, you're ignoring some calls because you think, hey, it's those people that I owe. Yes, you can continue ignoring them, but at least come to know what is written. Yeah. What is written is that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What is written is that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. He provides for me. So as I'm a giver, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give as God has prompted me to, as God has commanded me to. As I give, he multiplies my seed soul and increase the fruit of my righteousness. As I give my tithe, he said he will open windows of heaven for me and pour me out blessings that I shall not have room enough to receive. Amen? Amen. And the moment, that's why the Bible would say then in Malachi, it says, test, test me now here with and see if I will not open windows of heaven for me. I tested God in this thing of tithing long, long ago, before I started working. I was still a student. Fortunately, some of us during our time when we were students, we would get bazaars that would, where they would also give you a stipend. I started tithing then, and I've never stopped. Yeah. Amen? Amen? It works. Yeah. It works. Amen. Amen? Amen? So if you haven't started yet, some of us started when we were still students. And we're still doing it now. So the issue is, once something is written, and God has spoken it, he is watching over his word to fulfill it. So he's the one who said, this thing will work this way. And as I give, I expect him to do his part. Now it says, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. Continue. Before him whom he believed, hmm. even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which, not, which be not as though they were. It says God calls those things that be not as though they were. Mm. Those things may not be there in, according to the five senses. But in faith world, those things are there. Yeah. Amen. When you speak your faith, 
You are calling things that are not there in the natural as though they were there, but they are there in the spiritual. Continue. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Did you see the two words? At the top it says, as it is written. Now it says, according to that which was spoken. Do you see that? Yeah. According to what was written, according to that which was spoken. spoken. Mm. Amen. So you've got to keep on exposing yourself to hearing the word. Either the spoken word or the written word. So now if it's just the written word, you need to translate it from a written form to the spoken form. And you don't only hear it when the pastor is preaching on Sunday. You also go home and hear yourself speaking it. You actually believe yourself more than you believe anybody else, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, if any of you doesn't believe yourself more than you believe anybody else, I would be surprised. What kind of a person are you? I trust that you believe yourself more than you believe anybody else. So if you believe yourself more than you believe anybody else, why don't you take the word and speak it and hear yourself speaking it? Hear yourself saying, by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I am healed. Now you are hearing yourself speaking it and faith comes. Amen. As it is written, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Again, it says he did not consider his own body now dead. Okay. His body, when they say his body was now dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So Sarah during a childbearing age could not She was called barren. She could not conceive. Now she was even at menopausal stage where it's even worse. He also did not consider his own body now dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. So what is it? He was not looking at the facts. He was not realistic. Tell your neighbor he was not realistic. Hmm. That's why you're keeping on getting nothing. You are too much reasoning. You always want to be realistic. So it says, he considered not his own body now dead, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, if people had come to him and say, Abraham, you're saying you will have a child through Sarah. How is it possible? Because when she was of a childbearing age, she could not conceive. Now she has even passed the childbearing age. She's at a menopausal age, and you still say she will conceive? He considered not his own body now dead, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What did he consider? Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Tell your neighbor, I do not consider my circumstances. I consider the promise of God. And I do not stagger at the promise of God. Amen. He did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. Uh But was strong in faith. Yes. Giving glory to God. Yes. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was was able also 
to perform. I like faith. He was fully persuaded. So in other words, even if they say, Abraham, you are old. Your wife has been barren all her life, and now she's at a menopausal age. This is not possible. He did not consider that. He considered the promise of God. He was strong in faith. He was giving glory to God, saying, I am the father of many nations. You know, he was even changing the name. He used to be Abraham, the exalted father. And God says, let's make it practical. Speak it into being. From now on, you are called the father of multitudes. And imagine people calling him, father of so many children. Father of so many children. And in the natural, how many were they? But that's not an issue. If the father, if God says I will have many children, you can as well start calling me now. Amen. Because you will call me anyway. Like now we call him, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. So you could have as well started then. That's the problem with walking by senses and sight. Because you only come into the game late in the game. Amen. But if you walk by faith, you can already say, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Even when there is none. Amen. And let's look at this Abraham. After he got the child, okay, he believed God. At first, they were also... This thing of being advised and then the wife advises him, let's try and help God. Hagar can conceive. It makes logical sense. You see where you make logical senses? It makes logical sense if we give Hagar in, she can conceive and we would have solved God's problem. We'll have a son. God comes back and says, the son will be given birth through you, Sarai. In other words, I don't have a problem that I can't solve myself. I do things myself. And Isaac was born. You know the story. Now, after Isaac was born, don't you think now it's, it was more easy for Abraham to believe that I will become the father of many nations? Some of you wait for that. You wait, you wait for Isaac to be born. <laughs> Some signs first. So when Isaac was born, and now he's confident that I will become the father of many nations, God comes to him. And now he's testing his faith. Now he says, take Isaac, your son, and do what? And go and offer him to me. What do you think would have gone through Abraham's mind? Or what would have gone through your mind? I've, I've, I've got two sons. There's actually one who came by mistake. Can't I give you that one, God? Can't, can't, can't I give you that one? He says, I want Isaac, that one of promise. Now, we thought that the promise about many sons and many children is coming to pass now that Isaac is born. And now God still wants to take Abraham, uh, Isaac, and he wants Abraham to kill Isaac. Guys, do you see that faith doesn't make sense? Tell your neighbor, faith doesn't make sense at all. 
That's why it is not science. Neither is it science. It's faith. Amen. So, look at this. Genesis 22, 7 to 8. Amplified, not classic, but the amplified. Uh, yeah, the real amplified, Mr. MJ. Genesis 22, 7 and 8. Now, God says to Abraham, offer my son as a sacrifice. Now, Abraham is walking with his son. He knows the sacrifice is this boy. Isn't it? God said, I must offer you. Now, the boy knows that when we go to sacrifice, there are some ingredients that are needed for sacrifice. Now, listen to him. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Isaac said, look, the fire and the wood, mm. but where is the lamp for the burnt offering? You see this boy? He says, look, the fire and the wood, but the equation is not complete. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, what would you say if you were Abraham? <laughs> Especially if you want him to run away so that you say, God, it's not me. The boy ran away and he just outran me. Isn't it? So how does Abraham answer it? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamp for the burnt offering. So the two walked on together. I like faith. Amen. This man was not panicking. He says God will provide for himself the lamp for the burnt offering. In other words, in short, he was saying, that's not my problem. Did you hear that? In short, he was saying, that's not my problem. So I think next time when people want to shake you from your faith, how will this happen? Brother, you just said this, this, this. That's not my problem. The Lord himself shall provide. He says that. So when he said the Lord himself shall provide, go with me to, to read that in, in Hebrews 11. 17 to 19, now we do Amplified Classic. Hebrews 11, 17 to 19. I want to show you this story as again another example how one uses faith. Okay? So, in Hebrews 11, 17 to 19, it's explaining that which happened in Genesis. When he was going, in other words, it even tells us what was going through Abraham's mind. Because in Genesis, it doesn't tell us what was going through Abraham's mind when he was going to offer and sacrifice his son. But Hebrews explains that. So read, Mr. MJ. By faith, Abraham, when he was put to the test, while the testing of his faith was still in progress. Okay, tell your neighbor, the testing of my faith is still in progress. You see, you see, when you are going through things and you speak like that, I mean, the devil should get discouraged, man. Yeah. I mean, things are tough, things are difficult, and you say, the testing of my faith is still in progress. Instead of sleepless nights, the testing of my faith is still in progress. You just like you are in another world. That's why they will tell you you've got to be realistic. But you don't have to be. You must keep on faith. Mm -hmm. Had already brought Isaac for an offering. Yeah. 
He who had lately received and welcomed God's promises yeah. was ready to sacrifice his only son. So he had already received the promise. Now it seems like things were working well, but he was ready to sacrifice his only son. son. Why, 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 why did he think like that? Of whom it was said. Yeah. Through now, Isaac. Now, now look, the good thing of saying or knowing what he said. Mm. Tell your neighbor, look, the good thing about knowing what he said. You see, if you already know the end of the book, you are not going to panic. So Abraham, when he was told to offer Isaac, he already had something about Isaac does not align to him dying. Look, read. Of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your descendants be reckoned. Imagine, God had already said, through Isaac you will have many children. Now, the same God says you must sacrifice Isaac. Whose problem is it? <laughs> the Lord shall provide. Because now, Isaac is here. Now he says we sacrifice him. We're not going. So I think by this time, Abraham had learned his lessons. That you don't help God. Yeah. Mm. God is never stuck. Yeah. Okay? Mm. He was God before you were born. He will remain God after you are gone. Ish. Amen. Amen. So now... It says, through Isaac shall your descendants be reckoned. Mm. So, what then was going through Isaac's, uh, Abraham's mind? Verse 19. I told you, some of the things, you see, Abraham was like us. He would sometimes think. Mm. But the good thing with him is that he was thinking based on what God has said. So, if you think according to what God has said, you will relax like Abraham. So, look at what he was thinking. Verse 19. For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up even from among the dead. <laughs> so he was thinking, God says I must offer him. Mm. One thing I know, when we make sacrifices, we kill them mm. and burn them. Ish. It's not cremation, it's sacrifice. Yeah. We kill them and burn them. Mm. But now, if we kill, the, we kill Isaac and burn him, how will the children be begotten by Isaac? Mm. The how part is not your problem. Yeah. So he reasoned. God can even raise him from the dead. Yeah. That was like, so I think Abraham was in these two minds. Either the Lord will provide the lamb and stop me from sacrificing Isaac. Or if I sacrifice Isaac, the matter is completely in his hands. He will have to raise him from the date. Continue. Indeed, in the sense that Isaac was figuratively dead, potentially sacrificed, he did actually receive him back from the dead. Is that what the word of God says? Do you see how faith, how simple faith is? Many times we stumble because we depend so much on things. We reason too much. Instead of just believing. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning to just believe God like a child. Amen. In other words, the Bible even says, foolishness with the world is wisdom in the sight of God. So sometimes people would even say, how stupid that is. But it's working. Imagine people say, how stupid and how foolish it is. And you're keeping on getting results. They can say what they say, but I'm enjoying the results of faith. Can, can you tell your neighbor, they can say what they say. But I'm enjoying the rewards of faith. 
Amen. So it doesn't matter what they say. Even if they say how stupid you are, if you're getting results, rejoice. And they who think they are wise, they are troubled and they can't even sleep. Which means your wisdom cannot save you. Okay? Now, let me take two other examples. We're beginning to descend now. Okay? Can we think about, because this thing of faith, I told you faith should be based on what God has said. I remember one time, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 14. From 28 to 32 in the Amplified Classic. This was the time when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus came to them walking on the sea, on the water. Okay? They saw him and thought it was a ghost. Why do you think they thought it was a ghost? Hmm? People can't, peop, peop, only wind can go over water and not sink. A person with flesh and blood must sink. So when they saw him walking like this, it's like, it should be a ghost. Isn't it? Now, Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. Now listen to Peter, verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Okay, can I ask you a question? Why didn't Peter say, if it is you, wave me to come to you? He knew. Amen? In other words, this thing would not work if Jesus had said. Isn't it? Command me. If it's you, speak a word. I want to stand on the word. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I want to stand on the word. I need a word for my situation. Amen. So even when you are here in church now, sometimes you say, Pastor, it's like you are preaching directly to me. That's the word for your situation. Amen. So now, what happened? He said, come. Okay. Did Jesus say something? Yes. Did Peter now have something to walk on? Yeah. Because if you, are, you cannot walk on the water unless you walk on the word. Yes. Okay? Mm. So if you just go on the water straight, you are going to sink. You need the word for you to walk on the water. So Jesus had to say, come. And when he said, come, that's all that Peter needed. And I don't know whether this incident is before the fish, but probably it's after the fish. Now Peter knew that I, with Jesus, you don't reason, you just believe. So Peter doesn't do this. Jesus says, come. Peter doesn't do this from the boat. He doesn't do that. Why? He had the word to stand on. So when Jesus says come, Peter just... And what was happening with the water and the word and whatever? Peter was walking. Because he was walking on the word. Literally Peter, even though in the natural Peter was walking on the water. But Peter was walking on the word. That's what sustained him. So even for you, 
If you want to be sustained in life, walk on the word. It doesn't matter how that situation looks like, walk on the word. So as he was walking on the word, on the water, he came toward Jesus. Now, verse 30. Now, you will see now, so when he was walking on the way, that's faith, isn't it? Tell your neighbor, faith is walking on the way. Yeah. And if you walk by faith, you will not sink. Tell your neighbor, if you walk by faith, you will not sink. Now, here, you know the other one we read earlier where it starts by, Jesus says, in the world you will have troubles and tribulation. And then he says, but, be of good cheer. So in other words, the end of the chapter was that. But now here, if you look at this, Peter starts well. He walked on the water. When he was walking on the word, he walked on the water. But verse 30. But when he perceived and felt the strong wind, what was this faith? It's senses. So when you resort to your senses, something happens. It's the same water. Isn't it? It was the same water. When you walk on the water, you are able, on the word, you are able to walk on the water. But when you are dictated to by your circumstances, you will sink in the same water. So listen. When he, but when he perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened and began to sink. What had changed? Did the condition of the water change? Hmm? You think where he was walking, it was icy, like ice blocks and frozen water. And then he walked, all of a sudden, huh? So what had changed? He shifted his attention from walking on the word, on the word in the water to walking by sight. And when he started walking by sight, what happened? He began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And held him, saying to him, instantly, or instantly Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and held him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Did you see that? Yeah. Oh, you of little faith. In other words, Jesus was saying, when Jesus was there, he was saying, Hey, Peter, you're doing well. Like some of you, Jesus is watching you now and saying, You're doing well. You're doing well as you're standing on the word. As you are not moved by circumstances, you're doing well. Keep on. And all of a sudden, now Peter starts looking around. And he begins to see. Now Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Did you see that? He says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, this reminds me of, 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 of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 talks about we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses. People who have gone before us who are like there are people on the grandstand cheering you on. So in your faith, even when things are tough, as you are still standing on the word, they are cheering you on. Amen. Keep on going. Keep on going, brother. Keep on going, sister. Amen? Amen. Don't doubt. Don't give in. So, he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. <laughs> you know the problem with circumstances. They keep on changing. I mean, when they were outside, there was a lot of wind. So that Peter's faith must be 
disturbed. Now they get into the boat and the wind ceased. So that's how your circumstances are like. When you are acting on faith, it's like things are exaggerated now. You, have you ever realized? It's like when you want to trust God for healing. Say, I'm, I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. I'm believing God by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. I'm healed. The enemy intensifies the pain to see whether you are sure of your story. Okay? Now all of a sudden, by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I'm healed. And the pain goes. Don't you have some panado? <laughs> Why? So the enemy, he, he works like that. The devil works like that. The devil is almost like you are in a tug of war. How many of you have ever realized that in a tug of war, you are pulling each other? Whoever gives in first loses. It's not that the other side is not feeling the pressure. So even when you are standing your ground, when you are feeling like it's hot in the kitchen, and you feel like quitting, just know that the devil is also about to quit. <laughs> so, so just say, I, I won't start. The devil must know, and the devil must know that you are stubbornly a faith person. You stick your ground. Amen. Okay. So let me pick, yeah, I'll pick one or two, and then we end because of time. The book of Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Now we're looking at Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 4. In the New King James Version, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon and others with them, beside the Ammonites, came to the battle against Jehoshaphat. The same came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from, the, from Syria, and they are in houses on Tamar, which is Engedi. Verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. Why did Jehoshaphat fear? He heard. I told you, as much as faith comes by hearing, didn't I give you the example here when I began that? If you hear that in this vicinity, when you pass a particular place, people take people's cell phones or whatever, then when you come to that point, you fear because you heard something. So he heard how the three nations were coming against him. He hid. And then fear came. But the good thing with Jehoshaphat is one, he knew that I've heard this. And fear is coming to grasp me. But I know something. I know something. He set himself to seek the Lord. That's what we're going to do after service. We set ourselves to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So, the, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, as they were seeking the Lord, verse 12 to 15. Now, Jehoshaphat says, because he could see with his natural eyes, he was outnumbered. Tell your neighbor, Jehoshaphat was outnumbered. Yes. There are times sometimes even in your situation, you look at it, and you see you are outnumbered. You look at your debt, and you say, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> because you see, when you are still in control, it's when you look at your debt, and you know how you will pay it when you get a salary. Yeah. Then you're still fine. But you look at it and say, I'm outnumbered. 
<laughs> so in other words, all the things I can do will not solve this. Now, when you're outnumbered, do this. Verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But, you know the, 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 the power of but. Let's all say the power of but. The power of but. <laughs> Amen. Because it says we, we, we can see we are outnumbered. We can see we have no power against them. We don't even know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. That is your solution as a child of God. Even when you feel you are outnumbered and you don't know what to do, keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. He says, but our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Imagine now you are all threatened even with your little ones, afraid of the enemy coming. All of them, even with their little ones and their wives. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen all you Judah and all the inhabitants of Israel, and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord. You see now, a word was needed. Thus says the Lord. When you seek the face of God, God will give you a word. So it says, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. In other words, I'm not going to panic because the battle is not mine, it is God's. That's what Abraham said when he said, The Lord himself shall provide. In other words, this is not my problem. So he says, don't be afraid. The battle is not yours. So in many cases, why we fumble and stumble is because we're trying to make it our battle. We're trying to fight it on our own. You sometimes hear how people, how bad people are talking about you and now you're trying to say, no, that one, I thought maybe that one was on my side. But now this is just showing that actually nobody and you, can, you cannot trust a person, you know, and all that. And you don't have any verse. You are sinking deep into the pit. You're supposed to say, the Lord will never leave me nor forsake me. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's always there. He's always by my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen. And in this one, I will just summarize it. First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 21 to 39. I will only read from verse 36. But before I read there, I want to summarize it for you. So, again, I want to show you how faith always cooperate with the Spirit of God. Always listen to the voice of God. You saw there, when they were in trouble, they heard, and the man of God came and gave a word. Thus saith the Lord. Then you can stand. Peter, Jesus says, come. Then he could stand. Because there is a word. So even for you, when you come to church, you receive a word. Receive a word for your portion. Your portion. And stand on that word. Okay? Now, this was the time when, I think the time that Elijah lived in, it was almost like the time we're living in now. Do you know that people will tell you, respect any religion. Respect other people's rights. Okay? Everyone, every religion is right. Who are you to tell me 
My religion is wrong. Then, Elijah came to this point. They were saying, others were saying, Baal is God. You are saying God is God and all that. That's why I believe, as the glory of God comes to the body of Christ, let the world know who is the real God. Let them come frustrated and find solutions in the body of Christ in church. So now he says, how long are we going to hold between two ideas? If God is God, let's go for him. If Baal is God, then let's go for him. But how will we know who is the real God? He said, let's make sacrifice. The God who answers by fire, let him be God. And then he says, because you are many, you start first. So they got their bull, prepared the place for the offering. And he says, the God who answered by fire. So they, were, they put the, their sacrifice there, and now they were calling on Baal. Baal, yes. Baal, yes. And it says there was dead silence. Nothing. Until he said, shout loud, maybe he's sleeping. He was even mocking them. Maybe he's, he's on a journey. Maybe he's in deep in thought. So they did everything. The Bible says they even tried to cut themselves. And they started bleeding. And still nothing. So tell your neighbor, it doesn't matter how much you cut yourself. If you're not calling the true God, there will be no answer. Hey. Because sometimes you think it's how much you jumping around and all that and then Baal, Baal, Baal. No. Baal is not the living God. Amen. Now it became his time. Elijah, verse 36. After, so when it was his time, he said, for me, I don't want you guys to make any mistake and think that maybe because it was too hot. You know, some people say some felt fires were started by just it was too hot. Yeah. He said, uh -uh. to take that out of the equation, on my sacrifice, come with gallons and gallons of water. Keep on pouring. Keep on pouring. Keep on pouring. They poured and then there was water all over. He said, do it again. They did it again. Now, what, what do you think was going on through the mind of Elijah? Elijah was very confident, man. I mean, if it were me, I would have thought, let me give the sun a, a chance. Just because it's too hot, maybe I stand a better chance. Don't you know that you stand a better chance of having fire when it's hot and, and dry than when it's cold and wet? No, Elijah says we do it the right way. It's got to be God. People mustn't doubt after a miracle because imagine if water, fire had come out that time. Some might have said, no, it's because he took the chance. He knew that when the sun is too hot and it's late afternoon, he stands a better chance. Then they would have nullified his miracle. So he said, no, take away anything of the natural that people could depend on. Pour water, do everything. I want to depend on God. Now, verse 36. At that time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. I like God. I like Elijah. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are a God in Israel then, and that I am your servant. And, I like this part now, have done all these things at your command. There was a time that I thought he was just doing all these things. He was so confident because everything he was doing, he knew that it's as God has commanded me. So I know it will not fail. 
That's what will give you confidence in your faith. If you exercise your faith based on what God has commanded, you will have confidence. So he says, I've done everything at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. Now you can see it's God, isn't it? When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So you are standing, trusting God for your miracle. Keep on standing and let God come through for you that people around you will start saying, his God is God. They started saying, the Lord, he is God. So on their own, they could see who is the real God. And that is your God. Are you encouraged? Are you encouraged? Are you going to stand in your faith? Standing on the word and not be moved by your circumstances. And use your sixth sense, the sense of faith. Amen. I want us to stand up and thank God.